Okay, good morning everyone. Shalom Aleichem. I want to share with you some uh, original thoughts on Megillah Esther and then something on uh, Shushan Purim and Reb Chaim Knievsky. I want to share with you three thoughts on the Megillah. We'll start with the idea. We know that uh, one is supposed to start their Purim Suda by learning something. The Remez the Ramah brings is La Yehudim Hoysa Oira. Oira is Taira and then Vesimcha. Additionally, one is supposed to start learning Hilchos Pesach on Purim, because Shleishim Yom Kaidem Achag. So says Rav Shleim Kluger, let's try to kill two birds with one stone. You're supposed to learn before the Purim Suda. You're supposed to learn Hilchos Pesach on Purim. So learn Hilchos Pesach before the Purim Suda. Kick off the Purim Suda with Hilchos Pesach. So uh, that, that's very interesting that uh, we're supposed to kick off the Purim Suda with Hilchas Pesach. But I want to share with you, we know that Chodesh Nisan, we don't say Tachna in the whole month. The reason we don't say Tachna in the whole month is the Magen Avram cites the Beis Yosef who brings in a rationale, the majority of the month has passed in sanctity. Why? The first 12 days, the Nesim brought the Karbanos. So on the day you bring a Karban, it's like a Yamtif. The 14th is Erev Pesach. The 15th through the 21st, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, 21, is uh, the 7 days of Pesach. you have another day. So the majority of the month has passed in Kedusha, so therefore the whole month we don't say Tachnan. The Achroinim are troubled. Look in Sefer HaMen Hagim, look in Hagoyz Chassam Soifer, what about Yud Gimel? There's no reason to say Tachnon on Yud Gimel. There's no reason not to say Tachnon on Yud Gimel. There's a question, what do you mean there's no reason? Why do you need to have a reason not to say Tachnon? The majority of the month anyway has reasons not to say Tachnon. But apparently, in order to create a Rav, you need one consecutive unit of time. And if you just have 12 days, that's not a majority. You have another 8 days, that's not a majority. And you could bring a riot to this uh, option, you could be right to this approach, because in Tishrei as well, if you add up all the individual days that you don't say Tachnon, the majority of the month you don't say Tachnon. Nevertheless, we do say Tachnon on Chodesh Tishrei, because you don't have one unit of consecutive time that creates a Rav. <clears throat> that being the case, the Achorinim ask, what about Yud Gimel? And they give various reasons. Yud Gimel maybe was the day of the bris of Meshrabenu, or it's Isruchag of the uh, of the Nesim, or Shevet Levi did their Avodah on the thirteenth. But reading the Megillah, something occurred to me about the yomtiv quality of the thirteenth. We know that the day that Haman made the lot to decide what when to kill the Jewish people, it was bechodesh Pur, uh, Haman cast the lots on the 13th of Nisan. And the next day was Erev Pesach, and then Bayavar Mordechai, they fasted three days. The day that Haman scheduled what he thought was the annihilation was Yud Gimel Nisan. But in reality, he wasn't scheduling the annihilation. In reality, Yud Gimel Nisan, he was scheduling Purim. So we could say perhaps... The reason why Yud Gimel Nisan has a yomtiv quality and an independent day not to say Tachnon, because that was the day that Purim was scheduled. Perhaps that would be an insight into Yud Gimel 
Nisan. Another idea. My friend, Dr. Menachem Fuchs, asked that the opening Rashi on Megillah's Esther said, the second Rashi on Megillah's Esther says, Vayihibi me'achashveroish, hu'achashveroish, hu'achashveroish, hu'birishai, he was wicked from beginning to end. Question, I know he was b- wicked in the beginning. He teamed up with Haman. But why is he wicked in the end? Where do we see him being wicked in the, wicked in the end? In the end of the day, he's a good guy. He drops the business that he's not going to build a base of Mikdash. He's willing to base, build a base of Mikdash. Where do we see any rishos on the part of Ahasuerus? Perhaps we could say as follows. You all know that my favorite shir on Megillus Esther is why Achashur taxed the people. You remember what we like to say, that if you look in Ezra Paragvav, the tax money ultimately went to rebuild the second base of Mikdash. But, you know, I was thinking during the Megillah, earlier on in the story, that earlier on in the Megillah, he gives a respite on the taxes, he eases off on the taxes. And the Gras seems to say he did that, because he wanted to get, show Esther how much he honors her. And he's showing Esther, look how much I love you. I'm giving off taxes. He really wanted to give off to Esther's people. Uh, the, my friend of Nassim Welder showed me in the Gra that he really wanted to give off to Esther's people, but he didn't know which, as, who were Esther's people. So he had to give off Lamedinos to all the nations of the world. So therefore, he gave respite on the taxes in order to somehow get Esther to let him know where exactly she comes from. But it's interesting. Once Esther did tell him, in fact, that she's a Jew, he really has no reason to continue to give off a respite in the taxes. So that's why, in the end of the story, what does he do? He raises the taxes. Meaning, I... It was a bad move on my part that I get, gave off on the taxes. I only did it to get you to be Maida. But now that you're Maida, so I need my money back. And in the, in the Iyunim, in the back of, uh, the Perush Hagra on Esther, he brings that he heard from Rav Shlomo Brevda, the emphasis on why Achashersh taxed the people is to highlight that look how uh, Akum reacts to a miracle of Hashem. The Jewish people, their reaction is it inspired them to Kabbalah's HaTorah, be Ahava, without any oynes at all. And they accepted the Torah with love, and they were Mekayet, they were Koivea, Kriyas Megillah, and Hallel. And what was Achashverosh's reaction to the miracle? His reaction is, well, wait a second. Now I need my money back. I only gave off the taxes, because I needed to know who you are. Now I know who you are. I need my money back. So it's sort of highlighting the contrast between a, an Akum and a Jew. A Jew's reaction is, Kimu v'kiblu. Kimu masha kiblu kvar. Achashersh's reaction is, I gotta make up for lost money. So this perhaps would answer how we see he was birishasai mitchilasa v'yad soifai. He's the same money-hungry, materialistic, uh, Melech Tipish that he was in the beginning of the story. Okay, one more thought on the Megillah. V'yeis parashas ha It's interesting 
that we refer to money as a parsha. Isn't it interesting? What word do we use to describe money? A parsha. So I once saw in the Sefer Hachayim of the brother Maral Miprag that the Chachamim always want to engender the proper attitude toward money. That a person should not have a love for Kesef, but rather <clears throat> the real money in a person's mind should be the brachos that they make and the mitzvahs that they do. That's why Chazal used the terminology a coin that the Chachamim coined to teach that the real money are the words of tefillah and brachos. So perhaps also the real money in this world is a parsha. The real money is is uh, when we can learn Torah. That's so they utilize the word parsha to describe uh, kesef. Okay, those are some thoughts on the Megillah. I want to share with you uh, one more item.